When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 6.30 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 6.30 Chad. Natea Jay, who's up across the 40, he swings it to the 45, the 50, down the sidelines he goes. Natea Jay, he's got all sorts of daylight. Touchdown Eskimos for the win. Dryson all over the line. Center's mixed in. home for breaking news on your favorite teams. This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Brought to you by Cam LLP Injury Lawyers. Representing injured people in Edmonton and across Alberta since 1962. On the voice of your Edmonton Oilers and Eskimos. 6.30 Chad. The Senators have jumped out to a 2-0 lead on the Bruins. That is late in the first period. Early in the second frame, Blue Jackets up 1-0 on the Capitals. Atkinson has his sixth of the season. No score between the Islanders and the Lightning. And starting in about an hour, it's the Flames taking on the Avalanche. The Toronto Raptors will take on the Chicago Bulls tonight. That one just about to get underway. And then on Wednesday, the Bulls, or pardon me, the Raptors home to Kawhi Leonard returning to Toronto for the first time since helping them win the NBA championship. Monday night football, Giants Eagles starting in about 12 minutes. An eight-game losing streak for the Giants. Eli Manning starting at quarterback for the first time since week two. Your Edmonton Oilers wrap up their four-game homestand tomorrow. They are 1-1-1 one, one, and one on the stand so far. They will take on the Carolina Hurricanes. It's on 6.30, Ched. Face-off show at 5.30. The game will start at 7. Now, judging by practice today, and again, we only talking about practice, but Miko Koskinen was in the net that the Oilers defend in the first and third period. That's what we call the starter's net, and usually a bit of a tip as to which goaltender will play the next game for the Edmonton Oilers. Koskinen started three in a row. He did get pulled in one of them. He was pretty good in the other two. Mike Smith started last night and took the overtime loss 3-2 to the Buffalo Sabres. For the season, for the season, Miko Koskinen now really separating from Mike Smith in terms of the stats. Uh, everything wins, goals against average, save percentage. Koskinen 11-3-2 on the year. He has a 2.53 goals against average. He has a 9.21 save percentage. Smith is now 7-7-2. 2.88 goals against average, 9.03 save percentage. What really tells the tale, though, is what's happened over the last five weeks. And we're going to give you the stats here since November 3rd. Because on November 2nd, Mike Smith had one of the top performances by an Oilers player so far this season. Making 51 saves in a 2-1 overtime win over the Pittsburgh Penguins. He pretty much won the game single-handedly. Cave and Dreisaitl got the goals. Those goals wouldn't have mattered. Dreisaitl wouldn't have even had a chance to score in overtime if not for Smith. Absolutely brilliant outing by Smith. But since then, huge discrepancy. Koskinen is 6-2-2, two two, 
919 save percentage, 2.62 goals against average. Smith is 2-4-1, a save percentage of just 865, and a goals against average of 3.83. So think about that. Koskinen, a 2.62 GAA. Smith over a goal a game higher at 3.83. It's it's pretty clear. I mean, the first month of the season, it wasn't clear. Both guys were pretty good. You could maybe argue one way or the other. But now Koskinen has obviously emerged as the better goaltender. So, of course, Dave Tippett asked about the goaltenders today and about that rotation only once this season, and it just happened in the last week, has the goaltender started three in a row. We have a great deal of confidence in both of them. Right, our schedule dictates some of those some of those starts because both guys can. Uh, we feel like both guys can do the job, and we got it. Our, our schedule from now to Christmas is a tough schedule, so we need both of them to play well. We'll uh, talking with Schwartzy. We'll make sure that they get enough practice, enough rest, and uh, hopefully we the guy we pick to go in there each game can give us a good game. Now, I just want to emphasize that clip is from today. That's not one of the several other answers about goaltending that Dave Tippett has given at other points in the season that have sounded very similar to that one. That is from today, and he is continuing to toe that line. Talk to Dustin Schwartz. See how they're feeling. Go with the guy that gives us the best chance to win. So that was a Tippett's availability today. So I thought to myself, well, I, I, I got to try again. I, I, I got to give the context here of, of, of how they're playing. Now, I'm, go, I'm going to include my question in this piece of audio um, because I just might as well because Tippett's answer isn't very long, and I'd have to set up the question anyway. I'd like to see our lines have some more balance. Hang on, Koskinen's numbers are, are better now than yeah. mine. realize you're kind of going game by game, but... Are you at a point where instead of kind of each guy plays five out of ten, maybe you're leaning towards Miko to play six or seven out of those ten in the big picture? Yeah, we'll see. We'll go game by game here and see how it goes. All right. <laughs> so he gave a little acknowledgement that Koskinen's doing better. Yeah, we'll see. We'll go game by game here and see how it goes. But he's that's it. He, he He's not committing. I, I mean, look, it's it's... It's undeniable Koskinen's playing better. And, and as I've said before, perhaps one of the biggest surprises of the season. And I, I was uh, kind of joking around last week that things I'm hearing in the first couple of weeks of December that I didn't think I'd be hearing from Oilers fans if you would have asked me at the start of the season. And number one on that list is they got to play Koskinen more. Because I, I know I thought if a goalie was going to emerge as the better goaltender, I thought it would be Mike Smith, based on what we saw last year from Koskinen, who did have good bursts last year, but did not hold it together over the final third of the season. Well, he has clearly been better. Okay, so what's going on here? Tippett won't name a number one guy. He won't even give me a little bit there like, well, sure, Koskinen's having a better season, so he's going to now play three out of five or six out of ten instead of it being an even split. He he won't even grant that when asked about it, and even though he gave the little yeah that Koskinen has has better numbers. what is What is going on here? Why won't he come out and say it? And again, if it's Koskinen tomorrow, that's four out of five for Koskinen. Well, I think a couple things are going on here. First of all, I think he's 
well, maybe three things. He said all summer, and, and he gave a great answer once in the summer, that he talked to both goalies where he said, I hope you each play 41 games and you play 41 games really well. So there was, he, he never really said it's a competition for the number one job. He never really said we're going to take 20 to 30 games and then anoint a starter. He kind of always said we're going to try to split them. We'll, we'll, you know, we'll be fair. We don't want either guy to get tired. And I think he's aware of that and he, he's following that and he doesn't want to kind of go back on, on his word. Now, it's also his job to win games in the NHL to ice the best possible lineup. And I would think he knows that the way the last five weeks have gone, that is Koskinen. And, hey, maybe a month from now, it, it'll have flipped, and we'll be wanting Smith to play more. As you know, And as a coach, he has, he has the right to see how that plays out and maybe change his mind as we go along. But I also think, besides sticking to what he said in the summer, I think he's reluctant to say, yeah, you know what, we've seen them both, and, uh, and Miko's going to be our guy now. Because I think he knows that, especially in a, in a Canadian city where the well-being of a lot of fans hangs on the play of the hockey team, that if he kind of even hints that Koskinen's the guy and then Koskinen has a bad three weeks, then it's going to seem like Koskinen can't handle it or now he's losing his grip, so now you've got to go to Smith. So I really think that's why he keeps hammering it's game by game. We talk to everybody. We go with the guy who gives us the best chance to win. And if he starts Koskinen, all he has to say is, well, he gives us the best chance to win. If he starts Koskinen four games in a row, he just keeps saying, he gives us the best chance to win. When it's Mike Smith, Mike Smith will play. So his actions in terms of choosing the starting goaltender may lean towards Koskinen and indicate that it's Koskinen, but I don't really think he's ever going to come out and say it. And I also think... Mike Smith's history with Tippett and his status as the oldest guy on the team as a veteran factors into this. You know, they did sign him to an incentive-laden contract where Smith makes a little more money when he, when he plays more once he gets up to 30, 35, 40, 45, if it gets to that. And I, I think he's just being very respectful towards Smith, and he's saying, you've been a good goalie in this league for a long time. I'm not going to come out publicly and designate you as the backup. So I hear, I hear it from all of you, and, and I'm clearly saying the same thing, that, that we all know it's Koskinen, that we all know he's, he's doing better, but I don't think, in, unless we, maybe we get to the playoffs and they say they're going to ride a guy, I don't think there's going to be that designation from, from Tippett. No, but now again, we may see it in who he chooses to play, but I don't know if he's ever going to come out and say it. Your feedback is welcome. 780-496-0063. That is the number to both call and text. My name is Reed Wilkins. It's Inside Sports on Oilers and Eskimos Radio 630 Chet. And we'll spend a minute with Chris from Phoenix. Chris, go ahead. Hey, uh, big uh, big games coming up here. A little disappointed in, uh, in what happened uh, yesterday, but uh, we still got a point out of it. Um, I agree with you on Costin. I think you got to uh, you got to keep on playing Costin. He gives us the best chance to win. Uh, Mike Smith really hasn't had a, a stellar game since that Pittsburgh game. Uh, funny, funny call up today with uh, Caleb Jones. What are the odds of uh, of him uh, being called up for a, uh, a showcasing? Uh, I don't want to trade him, but uh, it brings in brings in some uh, some much needed uh, five on five scoring up down with it. Um, 
the, the, the issue I'm reading a lot is people are, are really complaining about, hey, we haven't thrown a couple of wins together. But here's the thing. Even against Ottawa, we were we dominated that first period. Connor McDavid, Connor hit like the post, I think, like twice. I think uh, Dry hit the post once. Yesterday, Dry hit the post, I think, uh, once or twice. Seven so minutes left, he hit the post. post, yep. Yeah, so it's one of those things that the puck is going to bounce our way sometimes, and it's not going to bounce our way sometimes. And it just is what it is. We dominated, I think last night, we dominated for like 40 minutes or whatever. The last, I think we only held Buffalo to, to like 10 shots over the last 40 minutes, I think it was. So, yep. You know? And we're getting we're getting the, the secondary scoring, which everybody was worried about. We're finally starting to get the secondary scoring. We know what we have in Connor. We know what we have in Leon. Those guys are going to bring it, you know, ninety nine percent of the time, um, and, and they're going to have their off games here and there. And I'm, I'm not too worried. Plus, we got Holland. Holland's going to address our needs as they come, and it is what it is. Uh, let's go Oilers and Sabat. Uh, all right, that's Chris from Phoenix, 780-496-0063. The big L texts in. He says, Reed, when you're back up, second goalie or one half of the rotation, whatever you want to call him, is 500. That's not terrible. And it could swing the other way. Whatever. So far, Tippett's game-by-game strategy is a winning one. That is the big L checking in. Michael on line two. Michael, thanks for calling. What's on your mind, man? Oh, hi, Reed. Uh, I, just, I just want to make a comment about Mike Smith in regards to the fact that when he came to the Oilers, I mean, he came for the veteran presence like you did mention, but there's one thing that may have been forgotten about Mike Smith is he has an extremely high compete level. And the compete level that he exemplified in the first, you know, first 10 games of the season, I think really pushed Koskinen to a different level. Um, without Mike Smith there, is Koskinen the goalie that he is today? Um, I, I'm just saying that Mike Smith, I think, really, really had an impact on how Koskinen has played this year. Without Mike Smith, Koskinen may not have the year that he's having. And I think that's really helped the Oilers as a whole, his compete level. I just want to hear your perspective well, on that. Yeah, Please. I'll leave you on the line here. But I, I think that's a fair yeah, comment. And, and I should clarify, I'm not, I'm not throwing Smith under the bus or on the scrap heap yeah. but by any means. But you make a good point. Smith is a vocal guy, a veteran guy. He has attitude. I mean, he's got that alpha male personality, and in pro sports, you need that. And maybe that hasn't rubbed off just on Koskinen, but on the whole team, because everybody knows the Oilers' history. Even if you're a new Oiler, you know their history, and you're probably thinking, you know, even some of the free agents might be like, glad to go there, but, man, are they ever going to get over the hump? And maybe Smith is Smith is saying, like, hey, man, like, we're not pushovers. Let's go. Let's go kick some butt. I'm. I'm with you. So, yeah, you could. You could be right. It may have just rubbed off on the whole team. Hopefully, it continues to. Just one other quick point. I mean, and I'm not comparing Mike Smith to Mark Messier, but when Mark Messier used to say something, guys would respect him for his play. And I'm not saying guys totally respect Smith for his play, but they certainly respect the fact that he's a veteran and has lasted this long in the league and has been very competitive at what he does in his position. So I think the respect factor is there for those younger players. And the Oilers have really missed that over the past little bit, and now they have a guy that could do that. So I think he's more valuable. Um, than, and don't get me wrong, like you say, it may flip-flop back over the next 20 games or whatever, but by the same token, if he keeps that compete level in Koskinen in practice, when he's talking to him, that can do nothing for him but help him. Michael, good stuff. Thanks for listening. You bet. Take care.
Michael, 780-496-0063. Just quickly, and we're going to meet our Join the Team contest winner in about in about four minutes, so that'll be fun. At practice today, McDavid centered Nygaard and Cassian. Nugent Hopkins centered Kara and Dreisaitl. Then it was Haas between Neal and Patrick Russell. Shane between Granlin and Archibald. Chason and Gagne were the extra forwards. So at practice today, Dreisaitl and Nugent were on the same line. McDavid was with Nygaard and Cassian. Dave Tippett. I'd like to see our lines have some more balance. And uh, we've got a stretch of games coming up here where we're going to need contributions right throughout our lineup. And Nygaard, to me, is a player that's starting to get some confidence. Had a real strong game last night. So we're looking to uh, add some balance to our group. All right, a little bit more from uh, Tippett. And as you heard, Chris uh, from Phoenix mentioned, Caleb Jones called up Joel Pearson, sent back down to Bakersfield. It is 6-22. We'll have a couple voters of the Lou Marsh Trophy on in the next half hour, and you'll meet our Join the Team Grand Prize winner in a couple minutes. Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins is brought to you by Cam LLP Injury Lawyers. Representing injured people in Edmonton and across Alberta since 1962. Our Join the Team contest winner, courtesy Japanese Village, is Lawrence Jean. He's going to get a spot in the Oilers team photo. He'll get a personalized Oilers jersey. He'll get a pre-practice breakfast with Bob and Jack. He gets to watch an Oilers game day skate. He gets a tour of Rogers Place. Gets a VIP experience for a home game. He gets to come on the face-off show with Rob and me. Lawrence, that all sounds pretty cool. Congratulations. How are you feeling? Uh, my heart is beating. I'm, uh, I'm overwhelmed with, uh, with joy about winning this. How long have you been an Oilers fan? Well, I've been an Oilers fan since I came to Edmonton in 78. I've uh, lived in other cities and uh, always supported the home team. Now, do you get to go to a lot of games, or have you ever gone to a, a games games frequently? Well, I've, I've been a season ticket holder for the entire um, uh, 80s when, uh, when the Gretzky era and the five Stanley Cups were won by the team. So I've seen amazing hockey in my life. Yeah. What do you well, think of this year's team? Well, I think that, that this year's team's got a lot of potential, and uh, um, which, if they were to gel at the right time towards the end of the season, they could even uh, win the Stanley Cup. Lawrence, congratulations on being our Join the Team contest winner. Thank you for listening to Inside Sports and 630 Chet. And I know we got to iron out the details of when you're going to be there, but I look forward to uh, meeting you at your game. Yeah, thank you, Reed. I, the other thing I was going to say is uh, part of the uh, the greatest part of this gift, if you want to call it that, is uh, is being in the team photo, which is a legacy a legacy thing for me. Thank you so much to Chad. Right on. Thanks, Lawrence. See you. Yeah. Bye. Lawrence Jean, join the team contest winner. Looking forward to meeting him. Passionate Oilers fan for sure. 6.30 news. You'll hear more from Dave Tippett. And a bit on the Lou Marsh Trophy. Chuba Hubbard didn't even make the top five. Led the NCAA in rushing. How do they pick this thing? Couple of voters. Hi, this is Trevor Harris of the Edmonton Eskimos. And you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on 6.30 Chet. Trevor Harris and the Eskimos looking for a coach. Could have.
happened this week. Paul LaPolice hired today by the Ottawa Red Blacks. Raptors and Bulls tied 30-30 after the first quarter. Monday Night Football scoreless halfway through the first quarter. Maybe that one will be a scoreless tie. That'd be fun. Islanders lead the Lightning 2-1 late in the second. Also late in the second period, Blue Jackets up 2-zip on the Capitals. Early second period, Senators lead the Bruins 2-1. And coming up in about half an hour, it is the Flames and the Avalanche. Oilers tomorrow against Carolina. 5.30 face-off show here on 6.30, Ched. The game will start at 7. Oilers 1-1-1 so far on their four-game homestand. Joel Pearson sent back to the farm today. Caleb Jones called up. We've got some heavy games coming up, so we feel like uh, Caleb just gives us a little more... He's skating as a little, a little better defender, so we're going to go into these games. We, we know they're going to have, be heavy, hard games, so we just felt like uh, Caleb came up and played some good games for us, and, and Lars, uh, I like his defending mindset, but game to game, there's certain matchups we're going to be looking at that will we'll probably shuffle some guys around. All right, and again, it looks like Koskinen, the probable starter tomorrow. McDavid and Dreisaitl on different lines at practice today. Nugent Hopkins and Dreisaitl were on the same line. So Bianca Andreescu, outstanding Canadian tennis player, won the U.S. Open, gets the Lou Marsh Trophy as Canadian Athlete of the Year. It's that time of year. We're rolling towards the end of December. We're giving out awards like the Lou Marsh. We're making lists, moment of the year, team of the year, athletes of the year, all the top memories. But this Lou Marsh Trophy, it's it's a pretty prestigious award. It's a panel of uh, two dozen journalists who who pick it. And I've always wondered how this happened. And I've always had this vision where, you know, maybe the voters for the Lou Marsh have kind of a secret layer. Like maybe it's in the Canadian Shield in northern Manitoba and they all kind of go there. Or maybe they're even teleported there. Some sort of, you know, Star Trek-like device that transports them there. And, and I picture a lot of sort of, well, there's, a, there's obviously a giant oak table, dim lighting, probably incense and, and robes. I picture them in robes, sort of like the stonecutters from the, the, the Simpsons episode. That's how, I, that's how I picture the Lou Marsh trophy voting going down. Let's find out for sure. Two guys involved in the uh, voting, Steve Simmons from the Toronto Sun and uh, Sean Fitzgerald from The Athletic. Steve, welcome to the show. How are you doing? Happy to be here. Thank you. And Sean, I know you're wearing your robe right now. Well, if you added sandwich into that layer, into the Canadian Shield, the catered sandwiches, you basically nailed it. That's exactly how it goes. Uh, this is great, guys. Thanks, uh, thanks for doing this. Um, let uh, Steve, I'll start with you. Uh, t- tell me how long uh, you have been a voter, and and just sort of take us through the discussion and the and the process here. I, I'm thinking in the twenty year range, but I don't know oh, wow. the number of years exactly. Um, I've long believed that this should be a television show and that if, if you did this about a week earlier uh, and then you cut it properly and you took out the boring parts, that it would be a pretty interesting thing for, for Canadian sports fans to see the level of discussion and the amount of things we consider and the amount of people we consider and all the different ways we look at you know, a variety of athletes from a variety of really different sports and try and put it all together. And uh, it's never, this was the easiest win of all time. Like, uh, for all the years I've been doing this, this was the easy victor. 
the hard part was coming up with the five finalists. And, and of course, nobody ever agrees on exactly how that comes to be. <laughs> well, Sean, you and I were texting this afternoon. You thought about five years for you. This Bianca was unanimous. How intense, maybe even heated, can it get when a bunch of you folks get together to discuss it? Um, yeah, no, I haven't been doing this as long as Steve. I'm, I'm much younger and, and more beautiful. Um, but, yeah, so I've been doing it about five years. So it hasn't been, I would say, heated until, I mean, last year, I would say animated maybe. There was, there was some heat. Uh, last year there was the controversy about um, should pairs be allowed. So you had Tessa Virtue and Scott Moyer who had just come off sort of their otherworldly performance at the 2018 Winter Olympics. They had they'd become the very best at what they do, not just arguably Canadian history, but in world history, sort of reshaped the entire concept of, of what it is and what you can do in that form on the ice. And, and they were ruled um, ineligible. Uh, and you can't have one without the other. And, you know, there are some arguments made back and forth. That, you know, even even Connor McDavid needs help on his line to, to do what Connor McDavid does. Uh, you know, Carey Price needs good defense in front of him to do what he does. But um, those are all team sports, and, and those athletes are still eligible. So um, that was, I think, as heated as it got. And it got, it got pretty heated. I've seen time. Luckily, we still had the sandwiches, by the way. The, the sandwiches healed everything afterwards. By the way, the sandwiches this year were a, were a big step up over, I would say, the previous several years. I don't know where they ordered them from. It's a Toronto Star where this is all held. But I'm a big advocate of today's sandwiches compared to things of the past. Some of them were, frankly, you looked at them, it was like, I'm going out for lunch. And you yeah. walked away. But today, I didn't walk away. I wound up with, you know, they were... They were cutting halves. I wound up with two halves, but they were oh, pretty darn, you, pretty darn good that they were. Uh, they were so good. You I almost wanted to wrap up the voting even earlier, right? But I mean, here we are. No, I wanted to. Steve, we're I wanted to. I wanted to stay longer. They were kicking us out of the boardroom at the end, and it was like Dave Hodge and I and Brian Williams and I and Dave Naylor and a few others, and it's like. Okay, it's like when the lights come on at the theater, you know, it's time to go back in. You know, they were like, give it, give in your security badges and, and get out of here. Uh, which we had to wear, by the way, in case we were going to break into the place. You guys uh, are doing a great job of uh, dispelling the myth that all, that all sports media do is eat. But anyway. But, but, <laughs> the, one thing the question I, is I, not I, whether we eat, it's whether we chew while we eat. But that's a whole yeah. other discussion. Here. We didn't get to eat until the whole thing was over, <laughs> if you notice that. None of this was... There was yeah. no food up to the point. It was like they were starving us until we had, we had a winner and, and five finalists. But Not the, all heroes wear capes, guys. You know, Sean was talking about what does it get heated? Yeah, and I'm not sure heated is the right term. I think passionate is the right term. And when you believe in somebody and what they've done and what kind of year they had, and you look at the room and some people coming from all different kinds of places. So when you have to explain that, I'll use Chuba Hubbard as an example, because here we are in Edmonton. Yep. When you have to explain like who Chuba Hubbard is and what he does to people who don't pay a moment's attention to NCAA football, you know, it's 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 not an easy sell. And I think, it, frankly, I thought he should have been on the ballot as one of the final five, and he wasn't. But but that's because some of the people in the room just can't relate to what it means to have rushed for two thousand yards or real close to that. In U.S. college football and 20-some touchdowns. Uh, and so each, each person comes into the room from a different background. 
and it makes the conversation very rich. But what, what you find you're doing is, is no matter, I mean, it was Sean last year was really selling Virtue and Moyer. And this year I was really selling for the ballot, Jordan Bennington, the goalie from the St. Louis Blues. And, and, and so you get passionate about your sales pitch and trying to get your point across, you know, and at the same time, the guys who are, you know, coming up with the guy you've never heard of from, from long distance running or something along those, you know, whatever sport it happens to be. And you have to listen to their argument. And there have been times when I went into the room thinking one thing and I walked out thinking something completely different. Sean, where were you at on Chuba Hubbard? Like, like, like Steve said, you're on in Edmonton. He's from Sherwood Park, which is, uh, you know, connected to Edmonton basically. So a lot of people have been following him. I mean, here, here's how popular Hubbard has become. People have been making Oilers jerseys with Hubbard on the back. So that that shows you his uh, his his influence. I, 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 he's been pretty awesome, Sean. So how come in your mind he, he wasn't closer to being number one? I heard they juggled the lines of practice today. Can he play with McDavid? <laughs> well, he has the speed to do it, I think. Sure does. No, I mean, like, here's a kid who, he didn't go to prep school in the United States. Like, he is he is of Edmonton, right? Like, like ESPN did a, <laughs> I mean, they did a, I think it was a pregame or an ESPN game day profile of him, and they, the thing that made me laugh was they showed the uh, football field that he played on, and it was covered under a foot of snow, clearly filmed in, like, February, and they said, here's where Cuba Hubbard learned how to play. Like, like it was that sort of mythologizing. But, yeah, you have a kid who comes from Edmonton who ran for 1,936 yards and 21 touchdowns, was named the Big 12 Offensive Player of the Year just this past weekend. And that's something that, I mean, if you stand back and you think, like, 15 years ago, 10 years ago, you're going to have a Canadian who does this, like, born, like, trained in Canada, goes down to the United States, plays for a big school in Oklahoma State, and does this. You'd say, well, no, that's not possible. But, I mean, you know, Canadians are getting talented in a bunch of other sports. I mean, talk about Edmonton, Alfonso Davies also should have been nominated today. Um, But, yeah, I, I really do think that he should have been, you know, in the top five. Frankly, I had him at number three. And only because Bianca, you know, made history, and Brooke Henderson also made history, and, and he made history as well. So I think that was my that was my medal podium, personally speaking. But like Steve said, you know, it's it's a group that stretches from you know one end of Canada to the other, and and guess what? I mean, we're sitting here, two Toronto guys talking on Alberta radio. Um, not a lot of people from those particular jurisdictions always agree on everything to begin with. Right. Well, one one of the really interesting things for me that today was. Andrew Harris, the running back from the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, because Andrew Harris had a, if you're just looking at his season and his playoff and his breakup, had a sensational year. I mean, he had a year similar to the one John Cornish won the Lou Marsh with, maybe, maybe even a better year uh, as breakup MVP and, and all that. First Canadian to do it since, since Russ Jackson, but he's got that, that positive test. And the determination in the room today was, we don't want anything to do with that positive test. So we're not going to vote for him. And that was a basically a unanimous, almost, I think one person, you know, went the other way. But pretty much everybody decided, you know what, there's, there's enough quality out there. You don't need Andrew Harris, even though in some years, if this wasn't a special year, and I think this really was a special year, because almost everybody on the ballot did something historical. And when you do something historical, man, that, that changes all of the parameters. 
And and so you look at the finalists, and there's Brooke Henderson doing what she did, and there's you know Bennington coming out of nowhere and taking the St. Louis Blues to the Stanley Cup, and then coming back this year and being just as great as he was last year. And, and in the calendar year, he won almost 70% of his starts. And you go through each guy and you're thinking, this is impossible, and this has never been done before, and that's never been done before. And it makes you proud in a way to go through you know, the day of two hockey players and whoever you know, wound up with a bronze medal at the Olympics being your candidate. We've come a long way from that. <laughs> Steve, uh, first of all, this is this is uh, I'm obviously thrilled to have you guys on, but the the problem with having someone like Steve on who uh, asks questions for a living is that you're answering my questions before I even get to them because I was going to ask you about Hubbard and Andrew Harris, and you're just jumping in and doing it, which is uh, which is which is awesome. How do you guys weigh? Because uh, and you got, you touched on a little bit, but sometimes there is an athlete from a sport that no one really follows. You know, I, I, was it last year or the year before? There was someone from moguls, you know, or or it's not a high profile sport as opposed to football, hockey, more traditional sport, high profile U.S. Open winner. How how do you weigh that? Like, have you ever found yourself saying, "Well, yeah, this person won all these events, but." There's there's not a very large field of competitors that that they're beating. Like I'll start with you, Sean. Does that ever factor into it for you? Yeah, it's an imperfect science. I mean, you are comparing apples to oranges. Like there, there's no way that you can compare marathon or hundred meters to you know bobsleigh. Like there's just it, it, under no other <laughs> under no other realm would you have that discussion, right? And so you compare, well, gold medal here, gold medal there. How does it rank? And, yeah, you find yourself going down a bunch of different rabbit holes. And, and, and unfortunately or not, that you know the level of attention that these sports generate can't help but influence some of the discussion. Like Kim Boutin is you know, one of the potentially the greatest uh, short track speed skater, certainly in her disciplines in the world right now. I mean, we were talking about, you know, Alfonso Davies, um, you know, raised in Edmonton, has played 14 games, started 14 games, appeared in 14 games with Bayern Munich. He started a Champions League game. Like, this is this is the biggest, one of the biggest clubs in the world. And there's a kid from Edmonton, a teenager from Edmonton, playing on this team. Like, these are all incredible accomplishments. And like Steve said, like, like Canadians are doing well in a bunch of different disciplines that, that we never had before. I mean, you think back to, you know, in the 1976 Olympics when I, I don't believe there was a gold medal. And you go back to 1988 in Calgary. And, and now all of a sudden, maybe since, I mean, if we, it's a different discussion, but, you know, since Vancouver 2010 and on the podium and all of these sort of results-focused um, funding models have been have been developed that, you know, that the old joke that fourth place used to be Canadian bronze, it doesn't happen anymore. Canadians are they're going for gold, and, and more often than not now, it seems like they're reaching it. So it makes it really tough to discuss. I have, I have a real problem with depth of field and how we discuss it sometimes. And I, I find myself disagreeing at times with the masses in the room when we're doing it. My, Michael Kingsbury won last year. And he has been a sensational mogul skier. What is the depth of mogul skiing in the world? Are we talking, can 20 people win? Can 16 people win? How many can win? Uh, it's not a very deep sport, and it's not a sport we know a whole lot about outside of the ski world. And I can't compare that, although we didn't have to do it this year for, for the most part. But I can't compare that to Mike Soroka pitching every fifth day for the Atlanta Braves. 
And to watch a kid in his early 20s have a 2.6 earn run average in Major League Baseball when we have had, what, three or four Canadian pitchers of quality in the entire history of the country? Uh, and so, you know, I think sometimes actually pro sports get the bit shortchanged in all this because we're so looking to not look to pro sports. We're looking to other things that sometimes we we get away from. Like Kaylee Humphreys, who, who this week is now an American officially, yeah. or American competitor, won the award for, for winning the bobsleigh. And, you know, you know, Kaylee Humphreys had amazing success for Canada, and she won the two gold medals, and she she's a phenomenal competitor at a sport with a very limited field. And and so how do you compare that? I'll, I'll use Chuba Hubbard as a good example. Whether is there a 1,000 kids he's competing against, 2,000, to, to become the starting running back at a major college? Like, how many people is he beating out? Um, same with, like, how do you compare that to what Alfonso Davies did? Although he wasn't even nominated today. No, at least not nominated. You know, yeah. you know Ryan O'Reilly, who won the uh, Conn Smythe Trophy, did not get nominated. Connor McDavid did, by the way. He didn't get very far and didn't really get pushed by anyone at all. But you know, he's going to win it the day the Oilers have a playoff run. Sure. You know, that's the year he'll he'll win the Norris and the and the not the Norris. If he wins the <laughs> Norris, really that's really amazing. McDavid. <laughs> no, but he's going to win. The, he's going to win the Hart and the Conn Smythe and, and the scoring leader all in the same year. One year, it's a question of when. And when he does that, then he'll be Canada's Athlete of the Year. I was going to say he'll do it at the Olympics, but Mr. Bettman won't allow <laughs> us to right. do that. Um, but it's really hard to, to take limited sports or sports that we don't know very well and equate them to sports we do know. And I, and I, I admit it, I, I, I'm biased to professional sports because it's primarily what I write about, even though I, I think I've covered more Olympics than everyone in Canada but Terry Jones. Right. <laughs> uh, and, uh, and and so it's like I'm partial to that as well, but I've also been up close. Uh, Sean mentioned Kim Boutin, uh, short track speed skating. You know, I don't have a lot of regard for short track speed skating. I think it's just a, it's kind of a it's kind of a knockoff sport. And, and so yes, we have great people at it, or she's the best in the world right now. But I don't, you know, I don't compare that to to sports. To, to track and field, to running the hundred, to to anything where there's worldwide participation from several countries, and then that's the problem. Yet you have to take into account so often. Steve, Sean, thanks for the intelligent discussion. Well, I guess mostly intelligent because part of it was about <laughs> sandwiches. But no, I appreciate you taking us behind the scenes and into your thought process because it, it is a fun debate that you guys get to have and sports fans uh, get to have. Who's coming to Rogers Place Saturday? Either of you guys? Um, not for me. No? Okay. Not me, no. All right. Well, you'll have to watch on the old, the old tube. Steve Simmons, Sean Fitzgerald, thank you so much. Thanks for having us. Enjoyed it. All right. They voted on the Lou Marsh Trophy. Bianca Andrescu, the winner. 780-496-0063. Text or call for your feedback. We're back after the break. All right. That was a good one. Probably could have kept going with those guys. Really fun. Sean Fitzgerald from The Athletic. Steve Simmons from the Toronto Sun. Voters for the Lou Marsh Trophy for the Canadian Athlete of the Year. I, I can't really argue with Bianca Andrescu. Won the Rogers Cup won the U.S. Open, but w- when you start thinking about it and people might bring up athletes from 
sports that aren't as uh, as high profile as, as hockey, football, baseball, basketball, then you might start thinking, oh yeah, maybe they deserve some some recognition. But uh, as, as much as it would have been cool to see Chuba Hubbard win it or do better, uh, it's hard to argue with Bianca. By the way, Hubbard, not a finalist for the Heisman Trophy. That was announced today as well. Back after the 7 o'clock news, a little more on the Oilers and boxer Ryan Ford coming up. 6.30 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 6.30 Chad.